Hello and welcome. This is the Bits vs. Byte podcast. I'm your host, I'm Grigic, and today with me are uh, Jonathan and uh, Ferry. They're uh, both the co-founders for the Brand Humanizing Institute. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thank you for having, uh, having us here. No problem, no problem. Uh, could you uh, both tell a little bit about your background and also how you got to start uh, this, uh, this, or this kind of challenge you are on right now? Um, sure. Um, I started um, my own company in 2016. Um, working in process optimization, basically, and, and with my experience in, in marketing. Um, and Jonathan and myself, we uh, love to discuss work and technology and ethics and basically everything that, that we share. Um, so in 2017, we were debating and we were sitting in a local McDonald's quite close Very to cool. this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we used to call it our headquarters. Um, and we were debating and we were talking about technology. And we said, um, from the experience that we have, um, we see a lot of things happening in technology and, and AI is coming and machine learning. And we said, well, what about the human part? Um, mm-hmm. So that started off as a small discussion about how we should care about humans, how we both are um, human, human-centered. We love putting humans first um, and then business and technology. And that's basically how that snowball effect started on is there something in that gray area between humans and technology? Mm. Um, so we said maybe we should um, write it down. So we, we used a, a small notebook just to write our ideas down about what we are seeing happening from the experience in our work, how companies are using technology. And we said, well, we, we basically uh, um, stumbled upon the fact that we said, well, we should humanize basically the, the business world. That's how it started. Um, and then we said, well, if we start with businesses, why don't we call it brand humanizing? And that's how basically the first beginning of that term started. Mm. So I don't know how you experienced the first beginning, uh, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so uh, my name is Jonathan, um, and I actually started as uh, one of the earlier growth hackers in Europe, right out of uni. Uh, I have a background uh, in like psychology or consumer behavior. Uh, Ferry has uh, that as well. So we sort of had this shared uh, love for, for humans in general, uh, but we also shared a love for uh, technology and, and, and companies. Um, I think, indeed, as Ferry said, um, we both had a background in uh, advising companies on on what to do and on how to do things, how to grow their business, and and we sort of saw things happening in these companies uh, that uh, made us worry a bit about the future. Mm. Uh, And uh, these are often considered uh, applying technology in favor of uh, humans. um, in order to get, you know, short time, short term money, yeah. basically. Um, and so, indeed, we uh, met at our uh, headquarters, uh, the local McDonald's. Uh, we <laughs> did that quite often. Uh, we still call it the HQ when we uh, drive by it or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, that's where we actually started. And indeed, we started mapping out. Okay, what are sort of these big problems right now? AI is coming. Uh, companies are starting to implement machine learning, uh, whereas we believe that most of those uh, appliances are still in their very uh, early stages. Mm-hmm. Um, we see companies uh, using chatbots that uh, I believe should uh, still uh, be uh, tested in laboratories, but we've given them out in uh, into the world. Uh, we're uh, replacing humans uh, with a premature technology, and we're like, okay, um, 
this might be quite worrisome for the future. Um, isn't there something we can do? Um, and that's you know those were the first steps of rehumanizing, basically. Okay, okay. So when uh, when someone asks you what kind of service you provide, right? What what is the thing that you're actually doing right now to 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 get to that point? Uh, could, could you explain that a little bit, just uh, to, for people to know, like, okay, what is brand? What is the Brand Humanizing Institute, uh, and what what kind of service do you want to provide? Um, so right now, as I said, we, we basically only started two years ago with um, the brand humanizing as a philosophy mm-hmm. and an idea um, in which we thought that we had a specific vision on how things should be going, as in how should people use technology and not replace people. That was the first step that we had. Um, so building a business around that was actually our second mission. Our first priority was um, testing our ideas against professionals. So we spoke with a lot of uh, people who are in the tech scene, uh, a couple of New York Times bestsellers, um, people in uh, universities and big companies, just asking them, this is something that we feel is happening and where we should focus on the humans. Do you agree or do you share our vision? Mm -hmm. And they basically confirmed that they share our vision one way or another, or they provided us with feedback. And then we said, well, I think we can build a business around this, but not sure how. Um, so we started growing the idea of uh, doing research in order to, f- for ourselves, find out how the market was at this moment. Mm-hmm. So how are people looking at technology? What's happening? How are companies implementing it? Or why aren't they implementing anything? And what are the effects on the economy, on people, on society in a, in a, in a general sense? Um, and that's when we've got the feeling that the business that we have and the, the, the way we can help companies and people is by sharing the knowledge that we have from the researches that we're doing. We're funding them ourselves. So we're just sharing the knowledge that we need and that we feel that we should have in order to talk to people. We're sharing that, but we can help companies by uh, making it specific for them. Mm-hmm. So we're still growing towards where the business should go. Um, but the business is sharing the knowledge and helping them make the best decisions. Um, I think Jonathan has maybe a good addition to to that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, indeed, I think the the most important thing is that what we discovered in uh, our earlier stages of brand humanizing is that okay, we wrote this philosophy down. We made it uh, into sort of a methodology, and we cross referenced uh, all of our ideas and uh, and. Uh, perhaps uh, uh, hypotheses with uh, experts. They confirmed that they thought that this was indeed in going into the right direction. And I was like, okay, how can we perhaps help companies actually implement this? Um, and the most important thing for companies, uh, we found out, um, unsurprisingly, is money. Mm-hmm. Um, and money is driving 99% of their uh, decisions. Um, so what they're often doing is understanding that, okay, let's say I can automate a certain process. That means that I can now replace this human being. This human uh, uh, has a salary of, uh, let's say, 3000 a month. So I know what I'm going to uh, sort of save uh, when I replace this human being. Yeah, when the they, technology costs X or something like that. Exactly. Right? So yeah. they know they have like this fixed number of how much more money they can make. Mm. Businesses are off, often focused on the short term because yeah. they have to meet these quarterly goals, et cetera, et cetera. So it's quite normal from a psychological perspective that these decision makers are making these types of decisions. They're not good for society, but 
on a human level, we understand why they make these types of decisions. Now, so what we needed to do is, okay, can we come up with an idea uh, on how to actually make more money as an organization uh, by being more human-centered? Mm. Um, and that's what, what, what brand humanizing in the first place is, is that if we want to change these decisions, we need to show these decision makers that they can actually make more money by uh, doing something else, by changing their behaviors. Mm-hmm. So what we showed is that, I mean, the most successful companies out here are the companies that are focused on the long term. So that's a very important thing. And what we saw is that being very customer centric i mean that's i think the buzzword right now in, in most <laughs> yeah. marketing companies oh you have to be so customer centric well yes basically you have to create products that people want and you have to provide a service for that so that they stay that that you know you want to create sort of a sticky situation right like that, that customers uh, actually buy your product and keep coming back that's sort of the magic thing that most companies are growing for but if you are replacing all of your human beings, if you, if you have that idea that, that you should do that eventually in the future, that means that you'll be this empty or, or shallow type of company that provides a product for a fixed price uh, with poor service. Mm. Um, uh, whereas most successful companies are focused on the long term. So we saw is, okay, why shouldn't AI and humans actually work together? I mean, we're a fan of humans, we're a fan of technology, and we believe that both... Uh, should work at the same time. Both should work hand in hand because yeah. both of them have specific strengths. So if you put, if you allocate technology um, in places where they are actually very strong, making calculations or automating uh, boring processes, yeah. you actually can actually free up people and then redistribute them within the company or have them focus more on more human tasks. The tasks that most people right now say, I'd love to do that, but I don't have time for that because I have to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And by convincing companies that with that type of attitude, they can actually make more money than they would be saving uh, if they got rid of the person. Yeah. If we can get companies to believe in that, that would change basically the trajectory of which we are on right now that would change current trends uh, and would actually help create more cent- customer-centric companies, uh, but also a better future for most human beings, and that is employees, but as well uh, for people that are live in society. Yeah, yeah that's something that I've noticed uh, a lot is uh, usually what happens is that when technolo- technology, well, technological advancements are implemented is that uh, they're looking at, okay, uh, of course, how can I save money? That's one one thing. But on the other hand, they also think about, okay, uh, if I do this, maybe I can get help more people, right? I can help more people because I have a chatbot and the chatbot does everything for me. Instead of thinking about, okay, but what if the chatbot doesn't work, right? If the chatbot doesn't work right now. I've had it myself and I think everybody that has experience with a chatbot is like, Okay, I'm typing in a question right now, and then the chatbot says I don't understand. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not what I was looking for, right? I was looking for a fast and easy way to. I I don't mind chatting to uh, uh just typing a question to to uh, to an employee because I'm like, okay, that's asynchronous. I don't have to wait for that, right? I can just see if there comes a message or whatever. Um, and I I feel like um. The, the the most kind of technological advancements are trying to remove the person, as you said, 
instead of just looking at okay how can it help that person that's that's in there but most companies will look at it like okay this this person cost me more than the actual technology cost me so i'm just going to do that right i'm just going to say okay get rid of the person get it in with the technology right so what i was wondering about is um you talk to a lot of companies of course what kind of what what are kind of the questions that the companies have about these kind of technologies and stuff like what what are some things that come back in all those conversations uh, a lot um, well, obviously, looking at the, the, the business side of things is that they have good arguments. Um, if you take the example of the chatbot, um, they're looking at the internal side of it. They can uh, take five, six, seven employees out of the chain uh, of uh, customer care because they now have a chatbot. But they never look at the outside. What's the impact on my customers? Because if every same type of company has the same type of chatbot giving the same answers on the same products, then what's your big advantage in the market? You're interchangeable yeah. because you're the same as everything else. But the problem is that they're looking at the quarterly KPIs. Like Jonathan said, they need to make specific margins in quarter one, two, three, four, sure. um, which means that they only look at the quick wins. And of course, it's a quick win if you can cut five people and put one computer in place. But what's the long-term impact on your business, on your market, and especially on the people around it? So your relationship with your customers is fading away because you now have technology put in between one human and another. Yeah. Now your customers are talking to technology. You, first of all, have no impact on their emotions because the computer is just basically answering random questions that they have. Um, but you're interchangeable because you don't have that personal touch either. And mm. that's just one of the disadvantages. But their main argument that we basically hear everywhere is money, uh, but the short-term money. They don't really look at the long term as in, okay, this is going to cost me. First of all, you can implement technology, but put it besides people, next to people as a tool, an additional tool to improve your customer service, for example. Um, but that's going to cost you twice because you first of all have to implement the technology mm. and secondly, keep the person on that shift. But what is the main advantage in the next three, four, maybe even 10 years if you keep that, syn uh, the, that synergy between humans and technology yeah. rather than replacing humans with technology? But they, they also, and that's one of the, the, especially the bigger companies have this argument, is that they, that they share the vision. Sure, we want to have as many people as we can, building the brand on a personal level, but stakeholders. Mm. That's the answer. Stakeholders just need their 1%, 2 3% return um, and just make sure that you get it. And the easiest way is cutting people and replacing them with technology, but that's just this year. Mm. What's, what's that going to mean for your company and your business in the long haul? Uh, and but that's the the biggest the, the most seen answer is stakeholders stakeholders yeah. and money yeah the, the the most actually that's that's a fair uh, fair thing to say also is when you look at the most successful companies i don't think there's well the most successful companies in terms of kind of customer centricity if you can call it like that they're not going to do a chatbot right they're probably going to say okay you're going to talk to a real person we we see that with a lot of e-commerce sites in the netherlands as well where, okay, some of them are implementing chatbots, but uh, some of them are also like, okay, <clears throat> if you talk to me through WhatsApp, for example, you're going to get a real person. You're not going to get a robot talking to you. Uh, but then uh, you feel like, okay, uh, the, 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 the argument here is only like, how much better is it to put in a chatbot than a human being, right? But what I've noticed also, I think that's an, a counter argument to, to technology, is when, when I ask... Uh, for example, someone on a customer service or whatever, I, I ask them a question, I get this like generic answer, right? Because they're also doing a script, just like a chatbot, right? 
so that's that's kind of the counter argument. Like maybe if you would implement technology, you could do more than what you were doing with just the cu- customer service representatives in this case, right? So that that's kind of the the counter argument there. I think uh, I don't know how you think about it, Jonathan. I think that's uh, that's <laughs> that, that's that's a uh, that could be something that someone will say, of course. Yeah, well, that's a perfectly fine answer, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, uh, honestly also something that we uh, we actually uh, considered in this uh, going into this brain humanizing thing, is that we often see um, uh, robots having to pose as humans and humans uh, posing as robots. Yeah. Right. Um, we have this customer service employee who uh, um, has to behave himself or herself as being a robot. Which is crazy, and just read the script, right? Yeah, just That's read the, the script. Follow the script. Don't, don't, don't use your your human specific traits. Uh, no, don't be a human at all. Be a robot. Basically, that's what we're telling some of these customer service employees. And in that case, if that's how the way you want to run your company, then well, then a chatbot is going to be your best friend because it's going to do exactly that. But that's not being customer-centric. No. That's not being human um, uh, either. Um, so the big idea of brand humanizing is that, and that's why the humanizing part is so important, is that we think that technology can actually help an organization to become much more human. The most, uh, 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 the best predictor of growth is how well you are at establishing long-term genuine relationships and the best guys to do that are humans Mm. to be honest yeah Um, and we're not opposed uh chatbots at all chatbots serve a very specific type of uh uh, um, service that well let's say we always say this okay is chatbot is really good at offering you an answer to very specific questions so if we take the example of a uh, package delivery uh, company, if you want to know um, when your package is arriving, you could better ask a chatbot because the chatbot is going to give you the answer within 0.1 seconds. Yeah. It's going to give you the fastest answer and it's very specific what you're asking it. And you don't need anything human. You're, mm. you're, not, you're not asking for that. But let's say your package has... It's just lost. Gone. It's yeah. lost. Yeah. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know what's going on. Then you can also talk to a chatbot. And even if the chatbot was so well created that it sounded just like a human, you know that you're not talking to a human. Mm. Even if the chatbot sounds very empathetic, you know that the bot is actually programmed to be empathetic with yeah. you. So that's something that a robot can never replace. Talking to a human, the human knows your context. The human um, is well able to see himself or herself um, in your own shoes. Uh, the human can 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 understands what you go through. Yeah. A robot, we can teach it, but the robot has never lost a package. Yeah. The robot has never even ordered something online. So the robot is is able to provide you the answers, but not not going to provide you with the empathy that you need in that specific context. So a chatbot for very specific questions, great idea. Humans cannot deliver a better service than a robot can on that specific ground. Mm. But when you need empathy, when context is very important, that's something a robot cannot do and yeah. a human should do. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's something that I, I also feel we, we talked about that a bit before we started recording as well, where uh, you have things like people are calling it AI. I mean... 
I've, I've heard it so much <laughs> in the last kind of period that I'm like, I'm really done with the whole AI thing because I just don't believe it right now. I mean, it's, it's just a hype, like a lot of things are a hype within the technological space. Everybody say, okay, we got AI, we're using AI. And then when you're actually asking them, okay, what do you actually do? Then usually it's like, okay, it's kind of a machine learning thing, right? Give it a data set, it will gi- give you some kind of uh, options actually based on the, upon what the data set, what, what you have in the data set, right? Uh, that's not really artificial intelligence, if you can call it like that at all. So um, w- what, what I was wondering about is uh, you've done a, a few researches already, right? Uh, you've, uh, you've also published uh, some things uh, already. Uh, maybe you can, um, uh, can tell the listeners a little bit about your findings, like uh, in, the researches that, uh, in the researches that you already did. Could you uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so what we see a lot is that, and we've also done quite some uh, qualitative research, and with qualitative research, I mean we uh, talk to a lot of companies and uh, we basically write that down for ourselves, uh, but we've also done some quantitative stuff, is that we see a lot of hype going on around AI. Um, and as you said, is it actual AI, the 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 uh, artificial generalized intelligence, that's that's basically what AI should be. Uh, and right now, these narrow AIs are called AI as well, which mm. is more machine learning, of course, but there's huge hype going on right there. And um, we see companies that want to do that, sometimes even, for example, with a chatbot, it's we want to have a chat, but why? Because it's cool, or it's it's a hype, it's a happening. Sounds innovative. <laughs> yeah, it sounds innovative. Yeah, we we need to have that as well. Our competitor has it. We need to copy it. Um, so, from a business perspective, what we have found is that um, just as we shared before, many many short term based decision making. Uh, we see that most decision makers uh, actually lack the knowledge to be able to make better decisions of it. Um, uh, Ferry will probably tell you later on that uh, we've also met with uh, people within the like municipalities and stuff like that, pe- more like governmental placed uh, uh, people. They'd say, okay, we need to sort of deal with this problem, but we don't know how to do it. Uh, we don't know what to do with it, which is weird because they already have AI programs in place that they are using, that they have made a decision about. And that's insane because... Companies, people higher up in the companies and people higher up in in, uh, public or governmental institutions are already making decisions uh, in in favor of AI, for using AI, that have actual impact on society already. But then when we ask them the question, why did you make this decision? They say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have no clue. uh, We were advised by a company and they told it that this was the best thing or that this was technologically possible. That's also sometimes a reason for doing something. Why are you doing this? Yeah, it's technologically possible. Okay. but yeah, what, A lot is possible. Yeah, <laughs> what, what problem are you solving? Yeah. Are you making something better? Uh, no, but it's, it's cool. Yeah. But that's not a reason to implement something. Mm. So that's what we see in the higher in the higher level. The people that are actually making decisions based on, on, on AI. And when we uh, look at like normal people, like you and me, I mean, I don't run a big corporation or anything. No. Um, um, most people don't really know what type of effect AI may have on their lives. They are actually unaware of AI at all. Uh, but they are also quite unaware of what type of decisions their higher-ups are going to make, um, you know, that will actually impact their lives, uh, impact their lives on a societal uh, um, uh, 
uh, fashion because those are the, the the people that they vote for, the people that are in government, but also uh, the impact that they might face uh, in their workspace, hmm. and that is quite insane. Uh, so we see that people uh, um, that don't really have to make any decision about it don't know what type of effect it may have, which doesn't inform them at all. So they cannot uh, sort of ask for the right things within their companies or within their governments. Um, and we see people at the higher up there are making decisions about it, but they don't know why they are making these decisions. Mm. And uh, I think those are the most crucial findings that we that we saw that we sort of need to fix. Um, and another thing is that there's also sort of this technocratic belief among uh, uh, decision makers in the tech space that sort of robots or AI are always better than, than humans. We are actually doing a research right now that we uh, have called State of Human in which we sort of, you know, find out what uh, uh, people within companies think that, uh, uh, that the role of the human being will be in the future. And we actually, uh, for one of the questions, uh, or no, we at the end of the survey, we asked the question, okay, do you have anything to add? And there was this one respondent who said, um, name one thing that a robot cannot do and I will make the robot do it. And like, that's not a goal. No, no. no, no. We, can, we can, yeah, we can make a robot do everything probably. But is that the best solution for the problem? Not always, no. and that's 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 an idea or like a like a philosophy that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. So uh, fair to to get on that because I I think it's interesting to uh, get to that governmental kind of state because um, I I see uh, there there was this uh, I I've, I've maybe mentioned it before we started recording but. Uh, you had the CEO of Google, right? Which is uh, everybody knows Google. I mean, <laughs> I don't have to explain that again. But uh, but he was also t- talking about this kind of artificial intelligence and should it be regulated and stuff like that. Uh, and then he said, okay, it should be regulated by government. And I'm like, I really don't think that governments are like really prepared to do these kinds of things because they don't understand the the matter at hand, right? So they can do legislations. They're pretty okay at that, but. They use, they don't understand what the subject matter is. So is that something that you've also kind of noticed in these kind of conversations that you had? Yeah, we actually got scared after talking to uh, municipalities because um, they said we asked the question just to keep it basic: is um, do you guys use AI? And they said, well, we think we do, um, but we're not sure. Um, they started digging into their archives and they said, yeah, we use AI and it makes decisions autonomously, um, but we don't really know what it's based on. Um, so people's lives are being affected by it. So if you're looking at the, the way they should make laws around AI, for example, they don't know how to. Because the, the, the biggest problem, and this is what they said, so I'm just quoting them, is that they said, we don't know how to make rules for something we don't know what it can do. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they, they said it's, it's sort of a loophole that they're in because um, they can only make rules for technology if they know what the technology does and what its impact is. Um, but if the technology is not there, they cannot make any rules about it. So it's kind of like a wild Western setting because you can do whatever you want because they can only make rules after it has been built after there has been a negative impact. Um, but they are lacking the, the information and the knowledge about technology as, as a whole um, to actually make decisions on how to legislate it. Mm. Um, if you look at the bigger picture, which is something that we're involved in, is called the Dutch uh, AI coalition, where you have uh, corporates 
uh, municipalities, um, high school, um, uh, the the bigger schools, the the universities are in there, um, and they have this action plan. And they said, well, the Netherlands is lacking in AI. Uh, we're behind on uh, France and Belgium and, and Germany. So we need to start moving this AI thing. Um, and the way I'm saying is because um, they, they want to move in AI, but they have no idea why. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're lacking on knowledge. We're lacking on legislation. Um, so the same problem here is that they are saying that we want to have this sort of um, a way to test if AI is doing the right thing for us, if it's not uh, being unethical, um, but we don't know how to set up these rules because we haven't seen the technology working yet, or it's there, but they don't know how it works. Um, so so they're basically just waiting until something happens. Uh, then they can say, well, this isn't, this isn't right. We don't want this. Here's a set of rules. Right. Apply by this. So they're reactive instead of proactive the, in this case. Yeah, they have to because yeah. they don't have the technology and they don't have the knowledge. Um, so they, they have to wait till something goes wrong until they can actually act on it. Yeah, so w- what, um, what, what do you think should, uh, should uh, be different in that sense? Because I, I think... Um, I've mentioned this, I don't know if I did on the podcast, but sometimes I, I feel like, okay, it's really weird that we have all these kind of uh, parliament members that have all these kind of positions, uh, like they're, they're a secretary of this uh, particular thing. And then you're like, okay, but where is the kind of secretary of technology in, in a sense, right? There's no one that has kind of a solid technical background that is actually in a position that they can they have the knowledge but they can also make decisions based upon what what they are doing kind of governmental uh things how do you look at that well i'm glad that they have started this coalition because they have involved a lot of technical companies um people like us who are looking at the human side of things because they know that they're lacking the information so they are involving companies who do have that knowledge Um, But still, I think what they are missing, even if they have this coalition and they're talking to the EU, um, they're missing the internal knowledge on what it can do and what it does. So the people making um, uh, the decisions aren't involved in the coalition. Mm. So they they made the coalition and said, we put all these experts here, you go and help with this action plan. But the people who are actually making the bigger decisions, they don't have the right knowledge. Um, So if they're lacking the knowledge, they're lacking the um, uh, urgency to do something about it and i think that the biggest problem is the, the urgency of having this legislation and knowing what to make the the set of rules on yeah 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 that makes sense I, what, what i'm uh, also interested in is um that there are kind of all these kinds of uses of ai and uh, you can think about them as good or bad right uh, in in an ethical sense right if it's is it ethical that they are doing this right um what are some of the because I don't know some examples from the top of my head, but what are some of the examples that you've seen that where you're like, okay, this is not the ethical thing to do, right? Uh, maybe Jonathan can uh, can uh, riff on that a little bit. We've uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Sure, sure. Um, but uh, what are some of the examples that you can uh, come come up with uh, top of mind that that use this in a in a kind of less ethical way? Yeah, sure. Um, well. I'd like to always start it, like these this type of discussions that I don't want to sort of name or shame uh, no. companies because okay. most of the time they are unaware of the effects that they are producing. Uh, so they're 
they're most like 90% of the time, 99% of the times, their starting point is not to be unethical, no. but the result of what they're doing is uh, unethical. Um, so a great example of that is uh, what uh, Amazon has done. And I'm not saying that Amazon is the most ethical company uh, out there, um, but uh, for the specific matter that uh, the example that I'm going to offer there, actually they wanted to start with with actually becoming more ethical. Uh, uh, they found out that their hiring process was sort of leaning more towards uh, men uh, than uh, than women. Uh, so they had just hired much more men than women. Uh, sort of like, okay, we, we might be quite, quite a bit uh, sexist or just like sexism going on in our hiring process. Yeah, we want to eliminate that. So they were like, what if we can sort of create a bot that uh, makes decisions for us? Uh, so when we sort of... Uh, Put a survey, a, a CV in the, into this bot, and the bot can then just then just assess is this a great fit for the company or not. Like the bot is unbiased, right? Um, but of course, uh, with all machine learning uh, uh, comes uh, the data science, <laughs> there comes the data set. So they they sort of uh, had to put in uh, this historical data of past CVs that were quite successful at Amazon, and um, of course they were men. Um, and even if they stripped all the like the gender identifiers, so the the photos, the uh, the, the names and stuff like that, um, the 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 AI was still able to recognize patterns that uh, set aside men from from women and. Basically, uh, we like we humans. We are unable to un understand what those differences are. Um, but what they th saw is that uh, men basically rode differently from women, and the AI was able to figure that out. And then at the end, the uh, bot was spewing out only male uh, 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 CVs. That's crazy. Uh, so they they had to stop this pro project. So they actually started out trying to be eth more ethical, and they turned out to be more sexist than they already were. Yeah. So they had to kill this project. And uh, another th big thing that is happening in uh, the United States, for example, they, they are, like, are much heavier investing on AI than we in Europe do, and they are also using sort of some of these systems in like government to, for, uh, to replace governmental decision-making. Uh, uh, for example, um, if you get a certain benefit uh, uh, from, uh, um, from the government, there's an autonomous decision-making AI that, that, that does that. What happens is that also here, um, the data has, of course, been polluted by uh, human biases because uh, it, it had to be trained on some set of data. And uh, then it's going to heavily um, uh, make basis decisions on zip codes. And in America, zip codes are uh, like uh, a great uh, proxy for what sort of background a person has. Yeah, sure. So these types of uh, AIs will, are start to become quite uh, racist, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it makes sense. We, uh, to be, uh, it makes sense in the sense that uh, I know why they're doing it, right? Uh, it, it, it does make sense why they're doing it, because they want to make the process kind of more efficient in a sense, but then they uh, inherently make it the other way around than what it should have been, right? Uh, because uh, they, they, that that's the problem I think with a lot of machine learning as well is it is, it's going to be biased whatever you do with it, right? Whatever kind of data set you put in it, it will always have some leniency towards something, right? I think um, that's something that, yeah, I, I'm wondering what your what your views are kind of like in in terms of the future of how this will change, right? Is is this going to be, um do you think we're going to 
care less about the kind of ethicality of all these things? Or do you think it will actually be more and more and more uh, ethical? It should be more and more ethical in the future. What do you think about that? Well, I'm of course hoping that uh, we're going to care a lot, uh, a lot more. And I think one of the goals of the Dutch AI coalition, but also of the EU, is to uh, uh, create a model for human-centered AI, which is quite different from the Chinese and uh, 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 American approach uh, to AI. Um, so I'm 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 going to lean towards uh, caring. Um, and for example, the the two examples that I gave before the 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 one that of the American government um, or and Amazon, which is crazy to me. Is I mean I can understand that a government makes like an uninformed decision and and decide to implement this AI thing. Because yeah, because they, don't, they have companies they, working for yeah, them and they and they don't understand it. Yeah, but. A great technologically advanced company such as Amazon, I mean, they should have known what the results of this project were going to be. Yeah. And that, that's insane to me that even the people that understand AI are not asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the gap that we saw for the Brand Humanizing Institute basically is that, okay, Companies and even governments are have to focus on the short term because they have to deliver on on. I mean, uh, politicians have to deliver on what they were elected for. Companies have to deliver because they have to meet this quarterly goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We understand that. So there's no incentive internally to look at the future, but they ha- are making decisions right now that will affect us in five to ten years. Mm. So what we as the brand humanizing institute have to do is sort of get in between. Okay, what's going to happen in the future? And what are people are, are decision makers dealing with today? Yeah. And if we get into that gap, if we already start asking the questions that are going to be relevant tomorrow, but we have to make a decision for today, we can actually help these yeah. decision makers, whether they're active within the public scape or within the corporate landscape. Yeah, you should be in between the kind of company that wants to implement it and also the implementation company, right? Where the, 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 the actual people that are going to implement the technology. You should be kind of in, in between of that, right? Yeah. That they should actually ask you in a sense first, like, okay, we're going to do this thing. What what does your research say about this, right? If we implement it in this, this type of manner. Yeah, basically, uh, we'd like to have answers on all type of questions uh, a, a organization may have. And they come, okay, guys, uh, we have this problem right now. Uh, we know that you uh, have the research. What is your answer? And then yeah. we can already provide it, but also help them guide in implementing uh, their strategies. Makes sense. And, and help them uh, even ask the right questions, because I think that often is also missing in the process on like fixing a problem where AI is going to be implemented. People are not asking the right question within uh, uh, the, the process of getting there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, makes sense. So I have one more question. To wrap up, and this question I always ask at the end, and I'm going to ask both of you. You're going to give separate answers to this one. Uh, but um, so, what are you kind of most proud of since you started this whole whole journey? That's the that's the the last question that I want to want to ask you today. Um, Ferry can start off. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll kick it off. Um, we actually uh, we're we're proud of many things. 
Um, for me, the, the the biggest achievement that we have, um, and I think we, we share the same the same vision on this, but maybe we, Jonathan can can add to it, um, is that we have two people um, that closely work with us um, on a voluntarily basis because they just saw something in brand humanizing, uh, for which they said, "I want to be part of this." Mm. Um, as in, I don't know where this is going to start or end. Uh, I just want to be part of the whole mission um, and see where we can take this. Um, and these are people who are closely involved. They join us if we go anywhere, if we have meetings. They, they join us, they listen, they help us. Um, and we greatly appreciate that. And that's something that we didn't anticipate to begin with. Uh, but we are thankful and, and very proud that people are willing to join this mission, which is um, very difficult and very big. Uh, but they, they are accepting that challenge. Um, mm. that's something that we both are proud of very cool jonathan yeah i think i mean the thing that i mean we we have many accomplishments uh, uh already uh but i mean this this is the that we were able to sort of de- so deeply touch people's like hearts with this idea with this vision that they were like no i'm just going to invest my time and even my own money to sort of be part of this mission that may sort of end tomorrow uh, or go to very high heights uh, and uh, they just want to go on this wave with us. So, yeah, I mean, doing something like that, that that is so meaningful to us that, okay, that's our the best accomplishment by far. Uh, and uh, uh, from a more business side of perspective, uh, being accepted as one of the smallest companies in the Dutch AI coalition is also crazy. I mean, we are there among names of uh, um, Google is in there. Microsoft is in there. Mm. Uh, name any big university, it's going to be in there. Philips is there. And we're just such a small company that just started, uh, has no clue of where we're going to go tomorrow, uh, but we are part of that journey as well. So that's uh, uh, like another accomplishment that we are both uh, quite proud of. Very cool. Um, how can people find you on the internet? Um, well, uh, the, the quickest and easiest way is to go to uh, brandhumanizing.com um, where they can read uh, information. Um, yeah. We don't really have any any big pages or whatever, but we have some uh, uh, posts over there. So if people want to read more about it, brandhumanizing.com yeah. is the quickest way. Yeah, th- and the researches that you publish, uh, are they also on the website? Yeah, they are. We have the main thesis that we wrote in 2018, yeah. um, which is uh, there. They can find it there. Um, and some smaller blog posts on specific niche topics cool okay i'll uh, link it in the in the show notes uh, on the website awesome i appreciate that <laughs> no problem and uh, of course uh, uh, for the people listening you can uh, find the bits versus by podcast on bitsvspice.com and on all major podcasting platforms uh, and if you didn't uh, you should uh, subscribe to the newsletter if you want to uh, get five uh, things about technology leadership and business every two weeks on on friday um, and i would like to thank you for listening and until next time